Hello, hello, hello. My name is Jalen Baker, and I have the pleasure of serving as the pastoral resident here. And it is always good, good, good to be with you. Y'all look so nice today. I just look out. Y'all look nice, nice today. Is it because the sun's out? I've, I've like this been very cloudy. I'm just like, ugh, clouds. I hate clouds. I am excited to continue on in this series in John. And this morning, we find ourselves on the heels of where we were last week. Because last week, Pastor Scott led us through the miracles, the miracles that Jesus did, right? He fed the 5,000, and it was probably many, many more than that. He also walks on water. Mark, our friend, started at verse 25. But if you go up a few verses a little bit at verse 22, the text tells us that we are on the next day. So that following day is where we pick up in our text today, that following day, right? And this is what happens, right? So I'm going to read a little bit of those verses from, uh, uh, from, but I'm going to read 22 to 24. It says, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. alone. Other boats from Tiberias came to the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Interesting. So they saw the disciples go, but they didn't see Jesus go. And given what Jesus had just done, given what they had just witnessed, they assumed that he got to the other side in a supernatural way. Good assumption, right? Good assumption. Now, we get to verse 25. So when they get there, right, they say, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus, how you get over here? Jesus, we didn't see you get on a boat. So how did you cross over to the sea? <laughs> I love Jesus' response. Jesus says, true, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus does not engage in pleasantries, does he? Right? He's not here for the small talk. I know why y'all coming over here to me. You just saw me do this extraordinary miracle, and you're not here because I did that miracle. You here because you had your feel and you want more. And 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 on the surface, right? It's like, yeah, Jesus, I do want more. But see, Jesus knew that they did not necessarily want more of him. They wanted more of what he could do, right? And see, Jesus, so he said that I know that you come to me for more blessings. And see, I'm not opposed to blessing you, but I am opposed to you using me for a blessing. I'm opposed to that, right? And <laughs> Lord have mercy. Nice shave, Alan, by the way. Nice shave, by the way. Sorry. You called attention to yourself, Alan. I'm so sorry. You called attention to yourself. I looked. I said, oh, what's up, Alan Mitch? What's going on, Doc? Um, right? And see, what this brief exchange, and we're going to learn a lot today, but what this brief exchange says to us is this. We are called to pursue more of God, but not more from God. More of you but not more from you. And Jesus understands. 
right? That I am ultimately concerned with who you are and not just in what you have. I was listening to an interview this week. It's by this, it's by the late great A. Lewis Patterson II. He, he was an extraordinary pastor out of Houston, Texas. He pastored a church for about 50 years. He died about 10 years ago. I was listening to the interview this week and he was telling a story about how early in his ministry, he had these pastors that mentored him. He told this story about how he went to a church, went to one of his pastor's church, and he wanted to talk to the pastor about what was going on, get some advice. The pastor seemed a little busy, so he said, so he went to talk to the pastor's secretary and said, hey, let pastor know that I, that I stopped by to, uh, to talk to him and that I'll catch him later. The secretary went to the pastor and said, hey, Al was here. He said, well, let you know that he was there. And the pastor rushed out of the church and said, hey, Al, 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 before you go, before you go, before you go, let's talk real quick. And the pastor asked, the pastor asked uh, Al Patterson, how are you doing? And Al said, well, pastor, you know, I just got this new car. Things seem to be going well. And then his pastor said, see, Al, I didn't ask you what you had. I asked you how you were doing. <laughs> and then Al weeped. He immediately broke down to cry. And, 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 and pastor, pastor said, in that moment, I realized something. I realized that as people, we're not human doers, we're not human havers, we're human beings, right? We are beings. And see, God is ultimately concerned with who we are. God is concerned with our identity. God is concerned with transforming our lives so that we can be the people and children that he has called us to be. I'm not concerned with what you have. I'm not concerned with what you can do. I'm concerned with who you are. And see, Jesus, <laughs> right? Jesus, looked at the, he looks at this crowd. He says, do y'all think? That I fed y'all that, that bread and fish just to give you lunch? Do you think that I performed that miracle just because you were physically hungry? I ain't no food pantry, and I'm not a chef. I'm God. I performed this miracle to give you this physical food so that it could direct you to true food. The true food, baby. That's why I did this miracle. Don't get it twisted. Right? So they have this warped perception and in view of why Jesus did this miracle. So they come to Jesus like, yo, Rabbi, when you get here, when we go eat again? <laughs> When's the next meal? And oh, Jesus, my Jesus, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. When is the next meal? I'm going to tell you when the next meal is. But see, it, it ain't physical food. Okay, see, obviously, you didn't get the point the first time. I fed you, right? I did more with less. I showed you my divinity. I showed you my deity. I solidified it, yet you still missed it. What you miss is that when I provide for you, when I make a way for you, the point is to demonstrate that I am the source. I'm the source, right? So it's like, 
I didn't give you that job so that you can depend and put your hope in that job. I gave you that job to demonstrate that I am the one who will always provide. I didn't give you that spouse so that you can put your hope and, 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 all your, and all your love into that spouse. I gave you that spouse and went into covenant with that spouse so that I showed you that I will demonstrate that I will always provide for you. Jesus provides, Jesus does to demonstrate that he is the source. I'm the source. You turn to me, me and me alone, when you need something in your life. Don't turn to the stuff in your life, turn to the source. And they missed it. Jesus gave them physical food, but he tried to direct them to true food. And he keeps going. He says, verse 27, he says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal. Do not work for the food, I love how the NIV translates this. He says, and the NIV says, it translates that word perishes as spoils. <laughs> he says, do not work for food as spoils. Uh, because see, here's the thing. There's food in your life. Yes, that, 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 that will spoil. That, that, that job that you love, as much as you love that job, as much as you love some of your friends, as much as you love some, some acquaintances, there, there, there are things in life that can always spoil. As, as much as you love your notion of, of, of what your purpose and destiny and what, and what your dreams are for your life, those dreams can also spoil. But see, but see, but see, but see, I want to give you food that will not spoil. I want to give you food that will not perish. I want to give you food that is not based on the approval of others and other people in your lives. I want to give you food that is not based on anything less than who I am to you. Stop chasing food that spoils. Stop chasing a life that spoils. But I want to give you eternity. I want to give you a dose of what it looks like to live a free, spiritual, eternal life. Stop. Stop it. So Jesus now, on the, on the backside of that miracle, he's introducing them. He's using earthly symbols, and he's converting them into spiritual truths. He's landing it in their world. So this is, what he, this is what he continues to do. He says, then they said to him, <laughs> what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. You know, it's interesting, man. I think sometimes we can over-theologize, we can overcomplicate our faith. The request <laughs> that Jesus has for us right here, what must we do, what works what must we do, right, to be saved? Jesus said, I just want you to believe. I just want you to believe. And see, here's the thing. I think Jesus 
says this. Because number one, right, Christ knows that belief itself is really difficult, right? Let alone doing all these works, these so-called holy works that we like to check off a box. Y'all want to do that? But see, if y'all if y'all really wanted a works-based faith, you would fail. You would fail. You wouldn't get through it. I just want you to believe. And see, here's the thing. Belief is hard because when we state our belief, we're closing the door on everything else that we may want, that the world has taught us to want. We're saying, Jesus, I believe you over everything else, right? I just want you to believe. And see, belief, church, belief is hard. Belief requires consistent dialogue and relationship with our Father in heaven. And this is why, don't, 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 don't miss that, don't miss not only, uh, 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 what's the word? Don't miss the simplicity, but also the consistency of belief. Yes, it's simple, but it requires consistency. It requires consistency. Simple act, yes, but if you're not consistent with your belief, then we fall. We stray. He says, I ain't worried about your works. Believe. I want you to believe. He, 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 he keeps going. He says, we're in verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you do <laughs> that we may see and believe you? My God. What work do you perform, Jesus? Oh my. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, Jesus, you're asking us to believe in you. Then demonstrate to us why we should believe in you. My God. The strange thing about this request is that they just saw Jesus turn two loaves and three fish and fed how many? My God, and what more can you do to demonstrate your deity, to demonstrate your divinity? But see, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. I laugh at them because I am them. <laughs> I laugh at them because, I, because they are me. How many times has Jesus showed up in my life? How many times has he made a way for me in my life? Yet, when trouble comes, Jesus, I don't know. Lord, I don't know about this one. Jalen, believe. The same God that I was back then, when I demonstrated my providential power in your life, I'm that same God. I have not changed, son. Daughter, I have not changed. I'm still the same. So I'm telling you, I'm still worthy of your faith, and I'm still worthy of your belief. Right? And, and, and they saw Jesus literally, literally heal and multiply, yet they still asked for more. 
and that's the key, church. We don't need Jesus to perform on anything else but our own hearts. That's where the miracle needs to come. Lord, instead, of, so, so the prayer has to be, right? Instead of me saying, Lord, do more, do more, do more, it has to be, Lord, change me, change me, change me. Lord, I need you to change and transform my heart and my perspective so that when times get rough, I can remember who you are and what you've done. Change me, change me, change me. And see, here's the thing, church. We often uh, rely on so many things around us to do what God is supposed to do. We want affirmation. We want approval. We look to our coworkers. We look to our friends. That food spoils. We want to be provided for. So we look to our jobs. We look to our families. We look to the church. Sometimes that food spoils. So what we have to do is instead of settling for a spoiled and stanky life, <laughs> y'all ever open up a refrigerator to some spoiled food? You open it up, it's like, oh, Lord, my God, can I bust your bubble real quick? When God opens up the door of your life, oh, Lord, it's some stanky stuff in there. My God, it's some stanky stuff in your life. But see, here's the thing. God says, I'm going to remove the things that stank. I'm going to throw it in the trash, and I'm going to refresh some stuff in your life, and I'm going to make it all new. That's the good news this morning. You ain't got to live a stanky life because God says, I'm going to clean it all up so that you can be free and truly free. And see, the reason I get so excited is because I realize how stanky my life once was. And see, if I'm honest with myself, I realize how stinky my life can be right now. I realize that I can fall for the traps of my sin. And even when sin gets a grip of me, grace has a firmer grip of me. And oh, sin, it might grip me. But when I realize who God is, and what God has to offer, grace snatches me back. Leave my son alone. And see, that's, that's the thing, church. We cannot underestimate the grip of our sin. Right? But see, what we can do, we can make sin logical. Right? We can make foolish behavior make sense. So it's like, I'm going through a lot right now. So therefore, you know, let me just, I'm going to indulge a little bit. But see, here's the thing. Ain't no such thing as a little bit. <laughs> because see, once sin gets a grip of you, it does not want to let you go. It doesn't want to let you go. And see, the thing is, what, what sin would do is that once you indulge a little bit, 
it will grip you, right? And it will, it will try to compel you and say, hey, hey, we're having fun over here. Things are going well over here, right? You should stay stuck in your pride. Stay stuck in your depravity. Stay stuck in where you are because things over here are just fine. It's all a delusion. But see, we invite that into our lives when we underestimate the power of sin. Do not underestimate the grip that sin has on you because you can find yourself like the Israelites lost in the wilderness. Lost, right? Don't settle for a spoiled life. God says, I want you to have a life that is new, that is refreshed, and rejuvenated by my spirit. Let's keep going. Uh, uh, come on, iPad, open it. There you go. So they, they say, Jesus, perform more. <laughs> Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says to them, we're in verse 32, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Let's keep going. They said, sir, give us this bread always. Uh-oh. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. It's me, Doc. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What would it look like, church, if we could be satisfied, fully satisfied, on God's terms and not ours? What would it look like if the source of our satisfaction, the source of us being filled was on God's terms and not ours? So, so what I'm saying here is everyone wants satisfaction. Uh-huh. Everyone wants to be filled. And what the gospel teaches us is that we're all filled by something. We're all, sat we're all chasing satisfaction after something. But Jesus here is saying, what, is, what if the source of your satisfaction was me and not you? I am the bread of life. I am meant to fill you. My life, my spirit is meant to fill you. What this means is the spirit of God, the purpose of God, the word of God, the promises of God, the things of God will satisfy you and feel you. And see, you see, this is where I find the good news. We can be satisfied in every season of life. Because here's his, his thing. Sometimes I think we trick ourselves into thinking that we can only be satisfied when things are going good. My God. We can only be satisfied when life is easy. No, 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 no. God's promises, it, 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 it transcends seasons of life. God's goodness and his faithfulness transcends seasons of life. You can always turn to God and be satisfied by his spirit, by his promises, by his word, in whatever season you're in. And see, here's the thing. 
right? Satisfaction does not mean alleviation or elimination of suffering by God. Doesn't mean that. Satisfaction is God's presence, his word, and his promises are always going to be near to me. And because they're near to me, I'm always going to be good. Always going to be good. Not based on the world's definition of good, but I'm good on God's terms. And that's good. That's good, good. Don't let the world ever fool you. Don't let sin fool you. Don't, don't let the devil scheme you and say, I got better over here. Nah, fam. The devil, you are a liar. The truth ain't in your dock. As much as you try to grip me, grace snatches me over. I'm the bread of life. And I come, he says, to offer new life to the world. That presupposes, oh my God, it presupposes that your old life, your old way, wasn't the way. The old way of doing things wasn't the way. But see, I come to show you the way which is synonymous with my way. I am the bread of life. He keeps going. He says, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We're going to skip down to verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, <laughs> is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How he going to say, I have come down from heaven? Oh, my God. Ooh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall back then. I imagine, you know, you know I, 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 I use my spiritual imagination. One of my favorite kids here, one of my favorite kids, not my favorite, but one of my favorite kids here, Jonah Fisher. I imagine in, 20, in, in 18 years, Jonah is 30 years old. And I, Jonah say, hey, y'all, I am the bread of heaven. Jonah, Ryan's boy, Jenna's son, you what? Who do you, th the same little boy that we are seeing running through, he, he, the, the son of God. So that's why, y'all, we ain't different than them. We do the same doggone thing. So, here's, so, so, so I imagine, I imagine Jonah. But see, <laughs> here's the difference. Jonah didn't feed 5,000. Jonah ain't healed nobody. Jesus has demonstrated his deity, and they still don't believe. You Joseph boy, Mary's son, we saw you when you was giving your mama and daddy a hard time crying through the middle of the night. And you the son of God? Bread of heaven? Ooh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> this is what Jesus said to him. Don't grumble among yourselves. Don't gossip. Don't question things that you are obviously ignorant of. My God. Because they, we're going to talk about this toward the end too, they are fundamentally 
questioning Jesus' deity because Jesus is not being the Messiah on their terms. That's why they're questioning him, right? And we, we saw this a little bit last week in verse 15, where Jesus had to go away because there was going to be requests to make Jesus king. In verse 15, it says that, right? So they expected this Messiah, this one who can do these miracles, this one who has the power of God, hey, baby, who has the power of God, bro, if you got all this power, go overthrow this empire that's oppressing us. Bro, march onto Jerusalem and make the walls come down just like God did in Jericho. We want you to be this political and militaristic king. Huh. But see, Jesus understood that, yes, we're oppressed because of our social condition, yes. And yes, God has done this in the past where he has overthrown an empire that has been oppressing us, particularly Israel, and Egypt. But see, here's the thing, guys. Your ancestors, even after they were set free from Egypt, were lost. They were lost. They were lost this time, not because of their oppression, but because of their sin. And see, I have come to do a new thing. I've come to set you free. I've come to liberate you from yourself. That's something that your ancestors could not quite grasp. Yes, we out of Egypt, but liberation is continuing on. Liberation also means, right, that I have to embody all of who God is which includes the pursuit of holiness and the pursuit of, of, of embodying his ethical values and morals of his kingdom. So Jesus knew full well that the ministry and work he was doing was going to provide a liberation that they so desperately needed but had not yet realized. And, and, and check this out, right? He says in verse, we're in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father sent me, unless the, unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written to the prophets and they will be, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. What he's saying here is that the reason why you're questioning my authority, the reason why you're questioning my legitimacy, le legitimacy is because the Father has not yet revealed it to you. Why is that? The Father has not revealed it to you because you've yet to believe. See, belief get, grants us access to revelation. Belief grants us access 
to an understanding of the will and purposes of God through the one who gives us access, restoration, redemption, and salvation to God. But we can't have that revelation. We can't have that access if we don't believe. Remember, belief requires consistency, right? It requires consistency. Let's go down. Then the Jews, we're going, I'm, in, I'm in verse 52. Then, Jews, then the Jews then disrupted among themselves saying, how can this man, oh, actually, let me, let me, let me, let me go, let's go to verse 50. Let's go to verse 50. He says, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. I love Jesus. Can I tell you why? Jesus knew full well this is going to freak them out. He knew full well it was going to freak them out, right? He knew full well. And, 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 and look, look, look what they said. They said, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, he, he, he drills down, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he keeps going, y'all. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He keeps going. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Jesus knew full well. This is going to freak everybody out. But he says it. Biblical scholars are a little disputed about what this means. Some say that this is the first foreshadowing of the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate every single week. Because Jesus says similar words at the Lord's Supper. But here, here, but here is what, this is where I landed this week. This is a rich metaphor. I put everybody at ease. Jesus does not call us to be cannibals. That ain't the call, guys. This is a rich metaphor for how we are called to have life. Just as we need physical food to survive, we cannot survive spiritually without the life and spirit of Jesus. Can't survive. We cannot have life spiritually without the life and spirit of Jesus. And see, Jesus has been teaching. He has been, uh, uh, he, he, he's, he's been, he's been trying to illuminate. Y'all, when I talk, look at it through a spiritual lens. There's a double meaning here. Double meaning here, right? Don't just look at what I'm saying on the surface. Go deeper. Go deeper. What is he trying to say about life itself? About my life itself? And he's trying to say that when we feast on Jesus, that is, when we believe in him, when we are dedicated to him, when we are pursuing him we are one with him 
You eat my flesh. You drink my blood. By dedicating your life, by losing your life for the one that I have called you to. Right? Then he says, and then we're going to skip down to verse 60 now. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, Jesus, this is a hard saying. Just like that. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Jesus, my man, you said we got to eat your flesh. This is hard to hear. And how are we supposed to listen to this? Right? And then Jesus says, do you take offense at this? Verse 61. We're 62 now. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh, our flesh, is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Spirit and life. Right? Spiritual lens. But there are some of you who do not believe. That last, that last one is key. There are some of you who do not believe. Can I tell y'all why the disciples found this hard to hear? The reason they found this hard to hear, because here, here, here's the thing. The disciples knew Jesus wasn't telling them to be cannibals. He knew, they knew that Jesus was not telling them to eat his flesh. But what they did know is that Jesus was telling them something that would disrupt and completely upend their worldview. Jesus was telling them something that was going to completely disrupt their way of life and their way of being, right? Jesus was turning their notions of being alive, their notions of what it means to live upside down. And church, let me tell you, that is hard to hear. That's very hard to hear. And this is what they say. And again, I am the disciples. We are the disciples in our own lives, right? When we ask God and we seek God, Lord, Lord, show me the way. It often requires loss. It often requires turning away from things. It often requires us changing our lives for the sake of the one God has for us. And we say, Lord, that's hard to hear. That's really hard to hear. But then Jesus says, but do you want to be full? Do you want to be satisfied? Because if you want ultimate satisfaction, if you want ultimate purpose, it only comes through me. And see, I think sometimes we can often get so consumed with what is going on in our lives that we can forget, oh, let's be real, we can doubt the power of God. We can doubt God. God, can you really do this? Can you really get me through this? Can you really satisfy me, fill me, even now? 
it goes back to what church? It goes back to belief. And see, this is what a metaphor, the metaphor I think really helps us, right? Because Jesus says that you have to consume me, right? And, 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 and the reason why that's a helpful metaphor, church, is because of this. We know, right, in order for us to, to have the energy, the nutrients to, to, to go in our lives, we got to eat. But we can't eat anything. We got to eat some healthy stuff, right? And, and the healthy stuff, it, it gives us, it, 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 it makes us feel lighter at times. It makes us feel like we got the energy to really get through the whole day, not just some of the day, right? And Jesus is saying that if you want to be satisfied, there needs to be a consistent diet, a consistent diet of my word, my promises, and my presence. You have to engage me. You have to be in relationship with me. Because you're right. You won't be satisfied. You won't be filled. Right? It's like, God, I believe. Do you know? Do you believe? How are you showing it? How are you living it? Are you consistent? Belief is hard because it requires consistency. And see, the reason why consistency is hard because we begin distracted. Don't we begin distracted? Life ain't nothing but a big old doggone distraction. We begin distracted all the time. And God says, <laughs> God says, look, fam, I ain't trying to ruin your fun. I ain't trying to disrupt. I ain't trying to like, bro, sis, daughter, son. I only exist to make your life more full. I only exist to make your life new. That's, that's, the, that, that's why I exist. So when you come to me with consistency, I'm going to make you new. I'm going to fill you. And this is where we have to be honest with ourselves. Like, what draws the presence of God in your life? Is it worship? Right? If listening to Hillsong, Maverick City, Kirk Franklin truly invites the spirit into your life, do that consistently. If, if music ain't really your thing, God ain't, God, hey, but figure out what is the, what is the catalyst for me? What, what, what really vibes with me, right? That's going to invite the spirit into my life consistently. Can I tell y'all, it ain't church once a week. It ain't D course once a week. I'm sorry, y'all. This is hard. <laughs> this is hard to hear. Daily. Daily. I'm yelling at myself too, y'all. I'm yelling at me too. Jalen, daily. Invite me into your life, child. Invite me in. I exist to make your life new. And when you're not getting it in other places in your life, turn to me. Turn to me. And see, here's the thing. We often, and I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself so bad. We often, our first move in trouble is not prayer. Our first move when we doubt, it's not worship. 
our first move in hard times is not God. It's whatever can give us that temporary feel in the moment. Some fried chicken, I'm talking to myself. But hey, y'all want to be deep? Lust, alcohol, drugs, sex. Whatever can give us that temporary feel in a hard time, we turn to that, don't we? God says, bruh, sis, daughter, son, that stuff will not fill you. I am the bread of life. It's me. Come to me and watch as you come to me. I will give you revelation. I will give you substance. I will give you my presence that will fill you and comfort you in times of trouble. I will show you the way out of whatever you're going through in your life, but you got to do it my way and on my terms. It's got to be me because I am the bread of life. So, yes, Jesus, eat me. <laughs> It's weird. Yes, it is. But do it, though. Consume me. Allow my presence to be consumed in you. And I want to watch. I want you to watch how it frees you. Is there anybody in here that want to be set free? Is there anybody here that wants to be set free from the shackles of this world, from the shackles of, 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 of others people's perception of us, from the shackles of whatever is holding us down. Do you want to be set free? Yes. There we go. Somebody said yes. Thank you, God. I want to be free, Lord. I know you do, son. I know you do, daughter. But it has to come on my terms. As the worship team comes back up, What this text is trying to truly drive us toward is truly embodying how belief requires consistency, right? We want to make belief this very simple thing, and it is, it truly is, but without consistency, Belief falls on his head. Can, can, can lead to, to, to us to strain if we're not consistent. And yes, this is hard for us to hear in our flesh, but you know what's happy right now? Our spirit. Our soul is happy. Because man, once they get it, once they understand, that belief requires consistency. They're going to feed me more. They're going to nurture me more. They're going to they're, they're take care of me more. And when they start doing that, they're going to be free. They're going to be free, man. So we come to the table. This table that we come to every single week. This table we come to symbolizes the, the, the glorious sacrifice of our Lord and Savior.